live from Estopan All In. It's the Bamos Morados Podcast. Powered by the state of Louisville. Welcome to another episode of the Vamos Morados Podcast. My name is Benson Newman. You can find me on Twitter at Purple SDF. And my name is Zach Allen Kelly. You can find me on Twitter at Zach W. Allen. Zach, I, I think it's been a slow news week. Do we do we have anything to go over? Today? I don't know what we even gonna talk about this week. I guess first off, I'd like to apologize because I, I I don't know, I don't know what happened with the teams, but I feel like it's our fault, probably. I think we we cursed the teams. I, I I talked about the mojo. You're not supposed to mention the mojo. That's rule number one about the mojo. Yeah, uh, it, 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 I think all the fault falls squarely on our shoulders. Yeah, we have to do better. Fault. We have to do better. That's all. But unfortunately for us, after we dropped our last podcast, they uh, a little bit of news broke. Um, a little bit of a coaching change. Like an hour after, after we dropped. <laughs> yeah it was the timing was was hilarious quite frankly <laughs> for us in relation to our, our to our podcast but um, we record on a tuesday and you don't expect there to be any midweek news dumps you think like mm-hmm. oh there's no there's no games till the weekend we're safe we record way ahead of time yeah well the silver lining is, is i think it's given us time to to digest the news a little bit so as uh you the listener are probably aware that coach uh, Christy Hawley is no longer with Racing Louisville. Uh, it was what late Tuesday. It was what almost ten o'clock at night. They released that. Yeah, is that t- right, Zach? Tuesday is like nine forty-five or something. Yeah, it was. It was late. Uh, they put out a statement essentially saying that uh, Coach Christy Hawley was uh, was terminated, quote for cause. Yeah, more Thank information course. than we got with the Hackworth. No. Yeah. Release. And. So, I mean, obviously there's a lot been said about it since. I think one thing that that you could have taken from that message initially is that whenever they put out communications, they're very deliberate and intentional with the wording of it. And I think it said a lot that they went right out and said that he was that he was terminated. It wasn't yes. a, a mutual and parting of ways. They specifically it used the term for cause. Like legally, if they did not have extremely strong footing for the firing as far as like whatever he was fired for being a pretty clear violation of either his contract or something in the team rules they would not have used that wording because he could sue them over that if it was were not like super justifiably for cause mm-hmm. yeah so it's it's been a weird week. A lot of people processing their emotions and thoughts on it, particularly because there's been a lack of information as, as we experienced the first time. Uh, I, I've been thankful at least just putting that in the release was more forthcoming than the last one. Oh. I, I think, I do think it from the things that have come out about the Hackworth situation since then, it, it does seem like it was more of a, a a mutual termination between the two parties that they couldn't come to an agreement over something more yeah. kind of in line with the vague statement they put yeah. out. I, I, I do wish maybe they would have been more explicit that like it was a, yeah, that, that they had a difference of opinion about the 
shape of the organization yeah. moving forward or something along those lines. But, yeah, but I mean, again, with, with the language that was released with the hacker departure, I mean, the, the language was very intentional. Like it was very yeah. clear that it wasn't on the best of terms. There was no well-wishing. It was very, very short. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I think that everybody needs to take that into account if there are any future messages like this, God, hope, hopefully not. <laughs> hey, we've had enough of them. <laughs> but I mean, but whatever. But in these, when they put these public statements out, like read it very carefully and notice what is and is not written in those statements. And again, for it to have been very clear in this uh, Coach Holly departure, it wasn't good. They found something and they hey, allegedly acted. And I, I personally, um. I I do not um, need to know the exact specifics because I do think, I don't know, not to speculate, but like if it does involve any players or anything, I, I, I understand the need to like protect player identities oh, yeah. like that. I'm glad that the league is like, that NWSL is going through the reckoning it's going through right now, but it, it's still like it's very hard to come forward with allegations it if if it's involves anything with the players and you don't want you don't want to go public and like risk hurting anyone's career moving forward and having them labeled as like a coach killer yeah or anything so i i think it's completely understandable to want to protect identities and not get into specifics about anything right. yeah I, and I, and i think the the prevailing narrative online which I'll be very clear, the club has very, very sternly <laughs> said that that is not accurate. It is something about alleged relationships, maybe plural, maybe not. That is, again, been shown to not be true, but I think that a lot of people kind of latched on to it, particularly with what happened at Sky Blue. Yeah, and I mean, because that was also what circulated around Sky Blue, I think it would be naive not to think that obviously like if he gets fired from another job that's not gonna like okay i guess if we're if we're being legal technically they mutually parted ways with sky blue so it, <laughs> yeah no but, that one um, they kind of they kind of covered the trails yeah, yeah they kind uh, of covered uh, their and they said it was mutual and it was becky did a good job kind of pointing some of those out and, and yeah. pulling but up it, it would be nice to, not to think a coach with a history like that that's not those same rumors are, are obviously going to pop up again yeah. <laughs> if, if yeah. he suddenly leaves midseason with another team. Yeah, so I, I get why people have latched onto that narrative. And heck, that was kind of stuck in my mind for for, for quite a while. But but I think the, the fact of the matter yeah. is, is that's, I don't know. that's not accurate. Um, not to get on my high horse, high horse, but like, that's why you, even if it's a mutually, even if it's a, because like, he, he, he got engaged to a former player at, sky blue um even if that's a mutual relationship that's just like that's why you don't date players as a coach because all that does is bring trouble with it yeah at minimum uh, it's a it's a real bad look yes e even if everything is very mutual and it's you're not abusing a power dynamic in the relationship which i would argue it's it's hard it's almost impossible not to if you're yeah. a coach but like even if everything is good about the relationship, you just, it's like bad for the locker room dynamics. You're always going to have, it's kind of similar to like when a coach gets their 
uh, child on the team where it's like either you do favor them and that causes a bunch of trouble or like you overcompensate and it's really not fair to the the player yeah (laughs) in that case it's just lose lose having relationships between coaches and people they're coaching yeah so i mean Again, at minimum, it's a bad look. Some of the speculation and rumor and allegations from the sky blue time is it kind of, I think, poison things in the locker room. Again, we don't know if that is true or not, but. Um, he did actually get engaged to her. So, yeah, I think the and, parts you can say were more than rumors. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's you know, that's fair. And <laughs> I, I when they hired him and I, I did a little bit of my Google through, like I learned that element, the, the engagement part, not the not what happened in the locker room, but the engagement part. And yeah, it was, again, it's not a great look, but from where I was sitting, I'm like, well, I guess it's kind of like a one-time offense since he's, since he's engaged. I don't expect for that to happen again, but I mean, yeah, you don't know. And I, we, we should mention the team has, has denied that. So according to the team, he was fired for something other than that. Yeah. Um, I, I think, yeah, the, so not to say whether that reporting is true or not true, but the team has yeah. has gone on the record to say that that was not what the offense that he was fired for. Right. So all, all of that aside, looking, I guess, my, my two concerns with the whole situation is, is one, is this something that we or the club shouldn't have been able to kind of see down the road and, and realize might have been an issue? I'm suspecting that answers no, because it sounds like something happened, not like they discovered something after the fact. And the other thing is- they, the, Whatever happened, they appear to have dealt with it very fast, which I think is commendable. Which is, yeah, which is, which is fantastic. I'm glad they, di- they didn't wait. I, I think um, it does, like, it's hard not to have it bring into question like the hiring process a little bit. Like I know the club is gonna be very defensive about it, but like, it's a bad look when it's not even a season in, in, and you have a, apparently a pretty big issue that you have to fire over that, that, that questions like the vetting process during the hiring process. Yeah. But I guess until we have more information uh, on what happened, I'm not inclined to assume that it's something that they should have known about beforehand. Yeah. I'm, I'm obviously assuming a bit, of, a bit of positive intent here. Um, but but that yeah that's just I guess my train of thought with that. But two, I think the even bigger bigger question for me or issue is the sake of the team. So before I dive in, I'm going to rewind to Louisville City situation when Coach Hackworth left. I mean yeah, obviously it was not ideal, but I was not nearly as worried as I am now about racing. Reason being is that it's an older team. On the staff. Yes older team they've been around for a while they know how to win i'm going to even go out here and say a hot take <laughs> that the 2018 championship like h- how much of that truly was 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 coach hackworth like the team was already together they were already in motion they did guide for half themselves a for a little while right yeah and so it was like half a season i don't want to take away for what he did because for all i know may, you know without him maybe we would fall in flat in the eastern conference finals something. i don't know but from where I'm sitting, I, you know, I'm just a little bit of an asterisk there you know, next to his name as far as like for him winning championships because like he got dealt a really good hand. Now, with I, racing, I do we'll, think, I don't know, to, to defend Hackworth a little bit because I, I think 
he both got handed a very good and kind of bad situation because I, I think the team has like a lot of continuity and is very good. And that was a very good situation to come into. But also I think because, because they got to coach themselves for several weeks, that's like a really tough situation to come into as a coach. Cause I, I think yeah. it's very hard in a situation like that to like yeah. get the respect of the players. Cause they're going to feel like, well, we don't even need you. Yeah. So well, I, I, I think, I, I don't want I to come across well. that. I think he, he I don't yeah. think I don't want it to come across that I didn't think he he deserves zero credit. And I think he definitely took where the team wasn't built on it with as yeah. far as the roster goes. So we have oh. a we have a much more talented roster now than I think we we did. We've done a lot, much a lot better with offseason acquisitions and things since. That's that's fair. Yeah, and and I'll and I'll agree with that. I think in some some regards his impact is more long term and not you know with that immediate championship. But the point yeah, I was trying to Danny, get to- with Danny Cruz still being here like you feel like there's a lot of continuity he he like had a big role as an assistant um yeah yeah so, so there was it was it was a as far as transitions go like of a sudden coach departure we it was probably the best case scenario yeah. beginning of the season you had somebody who's been there as long as coach Hackworth was etc so I wasn't nearly as worried about Louisville City as I'm about racing because the problem with racing is they are so new these there it's a young team they don't like know how to win as far as they don't have a history of success that they can you're still defining on. the culture here yeah absolutely so there's still a lot of moving pieces it's still that build and now that build has kind of been derailed a bit one of the architects of the team is now gone i mean and it sounds like he should be and i'm fine and i'm fine with that decision but can that I, worries me because we're can at such I give a, fragile a hot, point. can i give kind of a hot take that's why we do this for hot takes. Yeah. Go from like a purely soccer standpoint. I'm actually, I'm actually kind of glad he's gone as well. I, yeah. I, I did not think he was the guy to build the franchise from the ground up. I, I was locker room rumors aside. I was not impressed with what he did at Sky Blue, and and did I, I was kind of surprised with that hire initially. Yeah. Uh, I, w- I won't pretend like I was super familiar with his tenure at Sky Blue, um, but I don't know as far as like how he was playing the team. Maybe I would have done things a little differently, but that's me being like an armchair quarterback. Like, <laughs> I have questions about like the draft strategy. I, thankfully, um, I'm, 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 I'm not mad about the draft stuff. Are you, are you, are you, I am. Are you, are you getting about to the to Tobin and, uh, and Kristen? Or well, no. Some of the, so other stuff. the press, the press pick worked out great. That was good. I, I think, I think we have focused a lot on Heath and press and kind of forgotten that also like Alana Kennedy and Caitlin Ford were drafted and that mm-hmm. like we are, I am almost positive going to get something for Heath's rights and that will turn out to be a pretty good pick, but it does seem like we maybe just wasted two of our, draft picks with the on, other ones on Alana Kennedy and Kenton Ford because I yeah they seem very content playing in Europe and I don't even know if we'll be able to get a whole lot for trading their rights yeah. that those the, and like I, I think I heard someone say like oh we had all the players we wanted like we're building a new team we know all the players we could get like you can't be wasting picks on players that you're not going to get yeah. anything I, out of those picks I think are pretty part- precious part of that I think comes down to is 
what did they know that we didn't? I mean, what conversations had taken place? Is there some level of confidence that they would come over or wanted to come over at least at that time? Like, so when they made the pick, I thought for sure that like, oh, they talked to them and they wanted to come play here. But it, after the fact, that does not appear to have been the case. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I, I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm, I'm still a defensive. Like, if anyway, there's nobody I, they truly want it as part of that team, don't pick somebody to, ha- to have somebody. I'd rather anyway, have the rights as they want. Maybe is a good opportunity to, like, to start fresh. Yeah. And so one of the, I think, redeeming things at, is that James O'Connor was involved from the beginning and is still definitely here. So it's not like the complete vision is lost. And I think that's that's a very positive thing for us, but still losing your head coach, like that's a blow. I don't know that this team could have afforded to have. And the point I wanted to get to with it is that they can't miss on the next hire. It, it needs, unless we're going to, you know, unless they're going to be content with the team being, you know, floating in that kind of garbage tier category for the next several years, like they have to hit a home run. Well, and I guess to hyperventilate a little bit, half the half the league is in the middle of a coaching search right now <laughs> so they are going to be fighting for hires too it, it is it is maybe not not an ideal time to be in the middle of a coaching it's, search yeah, it isn't and here's here's what i would like to see i would like for them to put their money where their mouth is and go get like a big solid name somebody who we know can, can get the job done like no question mark about like somebody awesome like go poach somebody from europe oh, if need be and pay a lot of money i oh. have the <laughs> i would be just fine if we got someone new and got a fresh like yeah i, I mean that that scares me but if they have if they have a tremendous yeah, amount of confidence i can get i can get behind that but again like i said they can't they can't afford a miss and somebody with little to no experience is a gamble in my eyes. Not to say it can't pan out. I'm just, makes me worried. Yeah. I don't know. It's a hard situation. Yeah. But I, I, I think the point is, is that this is really bad time to lose somebody. And we, we can't afford for that to happen again in any time in the near future. Whoever's going to be hired in should be in the mix for the next few years, at least. For the sake of building, having continuity and and building out the vision and helping these young players develop, it's a young team. Like they need that continuity. Do you think? I guess I had not thought about this much. So, you think that hire needs to be made before the season ends or during the off season? I'm Go fine ahead. with the off season. Yeah. Yeah. Take I, I take take the time take to time. get the right hire. Don't don't so rush too. it to somebody's in the door. Needs to be a rush. Yeah, yeah. And in, in fact, I think. And we haven't I mentioned think, him, but Mario Sanchez got named interim coach. Um, or I, I don't think we've mentioned. Uh, we have not. And I have heard nothing but good things about Mario. Um, I I think uh, he will be a great choice for for interim. I think he will do a great job as interim head coach. Um, he, like, I, I've seen him coach the youth teams in clinics and 
he always seems really great with the kids. Um, he, he came out to my mom's elementary school that, that she's the counselor at um, and did like a little clinic there. And my That's mom cool. like absolutely loved him. So I got, maybe it's a little personal, but I, I have, I have heard nothing but good things about Mario. Uh, I was, yeah, I was going to echo that. I've, I've heard just wonderful things about him. Everybody seems to, to love him. I, I've, I've talked with him once and he was, you know, he's a great guy from that brief conversation, but you know, he has a, I think a lot of good experience. I think he will be good. Uh, he'll, he'll be able to keep the team together for the remainder of the season. And I think we're fortunate to have somebody who's got, you know, how flexible he's been. He's had like every job within that organization. I don't, I don't know when he sleeps because we had our league <laughs> game. We had our rec league game Monday night. He coached a, like a, a, like a youth clinic on the fields before our game started. And then I'm, fairly certain he played in our old man league right he after did, yeah. that yeah he did <laughs> and then and then got named interim coach the next day yeah so and i think it still was still last i checked interim assistant coach for global city yeah i imagine he's going to be taking a backseat a little bit in that role but yeah so he does a he wears many hats within the organization and again we're, we're fortunate to have somebody as, as flexible as him but uh but you know i i have, I have faith they'll be able to keep things together um while they while they do the, the the search for the replacement so um that's really i guess like all i had on on that situation again you know a lot of rumors i mean at the end of the day it doesn't matter to us why he's gone we know that he's no longer with us it's more about i guess what's going to happen moving forward and i hope that they take the time to get it like 110 percent right yeah, the very important hire. Yes, so we will wait and How see on that. Switch, do you want to switch to a topic where we can be less diplomatic about our anger? Go into it. Drop it. Go for <laughs> it. So uh, I guess last night the NWSL announced all the, the news about the championship this year. So they're uh, – uh, the Providence Park in Portland is going to host, which – I. I think the initial wave of criticism I saw was they, they chose a turf field and it's also a team that has hosted in like the last couple of years too. It's a repeat host. Uh, I didn't realize that. The part I found more egregious is that the kickoff is 9 a.m. local time. <laughs> 9 a.m. local time for a championship. Boy, <laughs> this league, I tell you. And uh, like the logo that they used, it appears that they have not updated the crappy trophy because <laughs> it's still got the same logo. It costs money. But just another in like a long line of baffling decisions from the league office. Yeah. Now, like I, good. I, I think people were saying that they are hemmed in with the CBS deal that like they have to have the game in the available time slot, which is like the noon Eastern time, 9 a.m. West Coast time slot. But mm -hmm. like, if that is the case, one, that's like a very bad deal that you signed. <laughs> and two, then at least have it on an East Coast uh, hosting site so that like noon is not ideal for your championship, but it is better than 9 a.m. Yeah. I mean, yeah, have it on the East Coast, maybe a venue with, with grass a nice newer facility i think yeah. would look good on the cameras are there, one that any, could are there have, any teams in the seatings. league that play in the eastern time zone 
got grass field new venue that everyone seems to think is really good i don't know i mean red bull arena is pretty old yeah hmm. red bull arena grass i think so oh, okay i don't know that i'm i don't know i'm confidently saying it is if they want to <laughs> play in front of an empty stadium they could host it at red bull yeah it's very good for that um <laughs> But all, yeah, all that aside, yeah, I mean, maybe it was the case that made that Louisville should be, you know, could have been a good venue to host it. Um, I mean, obviously, it's a tremendous amount of bias on, on my part, but me and you disagree on this one a little bit, but I would have liked to have seen the championship site played at the, uh, at the team with the most points, kind of like you see traditionally in most other, uh, other leagues in the world. Hell, even the MLS gets that one, right? Uh, I know you. You're less I'm against fine that. with neutral. I it is weird that like it appears they tried to pick a team that they think will make the finals to get attendance better. It, like that's the I I think I think neutral site championships are the most fair way to do it. Um, but I do think from like a league standpoint, having the team with the most points does ensure you'll it'll be a better attended final. Mm-hmm than otherwise uh, especially in like a i mean the champions league does not have this problem because it's so popular but in a in a growing league i I think it probably is the better choice to have the the team with the best record host it because that ensures you have a well-attended final that and the fact that like it's it's something you earn like yeah i I mean it should be something that these top teams the teams are floating near the top of the table well give them a reason to keep keep winning you know and i guess this is not this is not really an nwsl problem because they they don't really play like an east or west heavy schedule i my issue with like the usl with that is that it's i just don't think it's very meaningful to compare the records of the eastern championship champion to the western conference champion because they've played such different schedules that i don't think it's super fair to say that the team with the best record was actually the best team. If they played like a completely balanced schedule that I would be more into that. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's very, again, that's, I wish the, I, I, I'll be excited the day that the USL gets to the point where there can be more cross conference play and it's less yeah. that they're essentially two different leagues, you know? Oh, another thing. Why is Providence <laughs> Park turf anyway? The Portland Portland is is a temperate rainforest. It's the greenest part of the country. It's the easiest place you could grow gra- a grass field in the whole country. Why do they have a turf field? It is 70 degrees and raining all year long there. You think the timbers would have at least you know, paid for it. They got at least a little bit of money if the uh, thorns don't. I brought this up online a while back, and some people said that, like, technically the city owns the stadium and the Timbers don't have a say in what the field is. I don't know. They just did a huge addition. I don't think that's what's going on. Ugh. Anyway. I mean, that seems like a pretty piss poor excuse. Like, if, if the Timbers or, 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 the, or the Thorns or a combination of both are willing to pay for it, why wouldn't the city? Yeah, the, if they paid for it, the city would put grass there. That's the, I don't think that's the problem. Yeah. <sighs> Oh, whatever. So this league, it'll be something new next week. Anyway. um, Oh, I guess one other funny thing about it is that um, Becky pointed out that a lot of the teams were just dragging the whole situation. I think it was Allie Krieger was like, we don't even practice at 9 a.m. Like, why would we have a championship that early? I saw Jess Fishlock was like, so is that 5 (laughs) a.m. team meeting? 
pregame. So uh, I'm, I'm glad those with, with voices within the within the league are, are using them because maybe then the, they won't make that mistake. Again. Overall, it's just very it's just embarrassing for the league because like what other top tier sports league has their championship anytime other than prime time? Like that is yeah, it's a lot of things with the NWSL. It's like the I I'm. I don't know if I brought it up before, but like that they, they announced that they're making like a deal with some media, some digital media company to do like, like in game, like quizzes and like things during the Twitch, the Twitch streams. And it's like, you guys don't even have enough cameras for it to look like a professional broadcast yet. Like do that first. Don't make, don't make partnerships with digital media companies until you have the broadcast looking good. And on top of that, ladies and gentlemen, if you've not been on Twitch before, it's a streaming platform where usually it's mainly a lot of video games and stuff are played. I love yeah, the website. Yeah, not a lot of professional to... soccer games on Twitch. Yeah, not a lot. But so, okay, that's one thing. But Twitch <laughs> chat is fucking toxic. <laughs> it's watch, just watch Twitch. It's shit watch Twitch on your TV. Like, make it's it full very... screen. Yeah. Ignore the chat the entire time. It's a better experience. But if you're going to have chat and polls and stuff like that, like it's very clear that they have very limited to no experience with that because it's just a bunch <laughs> of shit posts. It's funny sometimes, but it's just shit posts. So, but I mean, t- more to your point, like, yeah, like baby steps, like yeah. prioritize a l- little differently. So make the know. trophy a big cup with handles on the side. Don't try to do weird just if it's generic like that's fine like player kicking ball art (laughs) yeah i just keep it safe you know i don't know we can make a whole podcast i guess talking about stuff like that get like a fancy fruit bowl and put a plaque on the front that's what they did with the stanley cup it's the best trophy in sports just you don't have to do it don't have to be complicated oh so you want to talk about uh great homemade trophies so uh, back in the day when I used to do a lot of fantasy football, the <laughs> the trophy for our league was my grandma had this. It's from the 70s. It was an ice bucket, but it was a pineapple. Like you took the top off pineapple. And it was golden. So it was Ooh. the golden pineapple. Like what a terrific trophy that was. So sounds great. You know, something like that, you know, maybe Please for a pretty penny, I'd part grandma. with it. <laughs> so anyway, so there's a better options than what they have, but let's stop uh, dragging the NWSL and let's talk about some uh, actual soccer matches let's How talk about, about some like mildly positive news yeah yes the first uh match in the uh and um in mario's tenure with racing Louisville, the first match without coach christy holly is against the ol rain at home now um, i was not able to attend in person but uh but you were there so i imagine that i mean there was no um Rapino, but there was Rose Lavelle. Yeah. Were there? I, I was curious, and I didn't exactly hear this. Were there a lot of uh, Cincinnatians down there for Rose that you noticed, or I didn't. I expected to see like more Rose Lavelle um, uh, TBSA jerseys than I saw. I, um, I, I and I didn't see a ton of yeah. I, uh, I didn't see a ton of rain gear either because. I, we've typically had like pretty good away fan attendance in the yeah. NWSL games. I thought there were a lot of Thorns um, people. That was I thought that was pretty impressive. 
Yeah. So yeah, but no, I, I think the rain might have might have killed it for some people. Uh, yeah. Because it, it was not the best weather. Um, and plus, I think news broke fairly early on that Rapido wasn't going to be there. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, still good good vibes at the stadium, I thought. The, all things considered after last week. Uh, yeah. I think our, our, our fan base wants to show up and show that we were supporting the players. Because, again, we don't know what, what had happened. And if, you know, whether, I mean, this affected them in some way somehow this whole change and turnover this turmoil yeah and so i'm glad that we had people there showing up to, the, to cheer them on the wdrb article i read this week that it interview interviewing betos uh that seemed to make it out that the players were also kind of caught off guard by this it was a surprise to a lot of them as well mm-hmm. um so yeah it's just like a tough week to react to yeah, so um, so I'm glad people showed up, and I guess not to fast forward too much, but the uh, when Nadia scored the first goal in the 23rd minute, like it was loud on the broadcast. Oh yeah, and that was I don't, a, I don't know if it was as loud in person, but I was pretty I was pretty impressed. It's pretty loud, yeah. Um, and like all the quarter kicks all night, everyone got loud. It was yeah, it was a good atmosphere that night. I think everyone really wanted to to show support after after the week. Uh, I, the only lineup note, it was, it was not like a super unusual lineup. I think Mario did not completely change everything. Um, I, I, the only note I had was that we had Nadia and Balcom up top, which was, it's a look we, I, we have not seen a ton of, that was the, the only real, um, difference. Mm. Um, uh, but other than that, like, um, well, we also played Martin out on the wing and where Simon or true. I guess did Fox change sides of the field? I guess I think mm. Martin was where Fox normally was and Fox was where Simon normally yeah. was. Yeah, Martin was on the left, Fox was on the right. That was another yeah, a little little bit of mixture change. there. But then uh, other than that, it was a fairly it was not a super unusual lineup for us. Yeah, I know there's a lot of people who are fans of uh, Jorian and I think she does well does well with that as well. And we've talked about in the past it's just such the, the attacking roles like that are just it's such a loaded area but i'm glad for those people and for her that that she was able to get a start and i don't i don't mind a you know a fresh new look there yeah so that's always uh, always fun to see well and i guess talking about lineup stuff i mean um so rapino did not play but um um Lesselmer was started for them um skyline chili messi roosevelt was in (laughs) they they've had a rough I mean they've played three games in the past week um so they were on the back end of a pretty heavy schedule but still had some of their best players starting that night Mm. they they rested a couple people but um um Morazan I didn't mention her she had a she had a really good game she had um I think she was on Fop Mob she was the player of the game for them um, yep. but yeah uh, first half i thought racing looked very good i think that is some of the best like team soccer i have seen them play like that the passing seemed to be fairly crisp they were defending well uh you mentioned the goal but like the passing was very nice on that goal mm-hmm. um, 
Yeah, and we got a, a decent number of, sh uh, of shots in that yeah, match too. In the, fir in the first half, it's one of those I, – I, I looked at the stats at the halftime. Uh, we, they had more shots, but it felt like we had better shots. Um, I, they were taking a lot of shots maybe from places that I didn't think were super dangerous. Um, so I thought, I thought racing had the better of the first half overall. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, just I mean, they had the lead. So yeah. And again, you know, going back to all the facts you said before, it's pretty awesome to see them come out and, and do so well in that first half after all the uh, turmoil of the week. Yeah. Um, and then, I, so I, one tactical change that I noticed is the, um, well, and, and Michael Fleur de Lee FC was noting this, but um, Mario was really focusing on the, the high press. Um, and um, we have used that in places, but like pretty much the whole game, he was keeping on everybody to keep the press going, um, which I, I think worked well for them the first half. And I do think might explain like some heavy legs and maybe why things tailed off a little bit in the second half, especially if like that is a very physically demanding style of play. And if, if you just switch into doing that all the time, that is going to leave you tired at the end of the game. Yeah. You got to have a lot of like upfront uh, conditioning stuff early, early in the season to, yeah. To do well, that successfully, it's very like you have to really have a core of players who have played together and like have a sixth sense about where they're going to go because it does not do you any good to be the only player to come up on the press. It's like a you all have to move forward and you all have to move back together um, thing. So it, it just it takes time to to develop that style. Yeah, it kind of in some ways. Um, Reminds me of Marcelo Bielsa's leads, how just physically demanding and how much work that they, they do is it's just, it, it's, it's something that does take time to, to develop and whatnot. And, and yeah, yeah I um, mean, maybe, maybe we got exposed because of that a little bit more. I had the an interesting half. lineup note from the start of the second half um, because uh, during halftime, uh, Ebony came out without a warm-up jersey on and started warming up. And so it was pretty clear that she was going to get subbed on like right at the start. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, like I was talking, we were trying to guess who she was going to come on for. And I thought like, oh, it's got to be either Nadia or Balcom. Um, and was kind of surprised to see um, uh, she came on for Malay. Is that right? Yep. yep yeah. Right. And that's a, a we talk, I talked about it, it was a fairly normal start, but that is, I think, a, a, a an attacking group of players we have not seen at all this season. Having Balcom, Nadia, and um, Salmon all on the field at the same time is, is mm -hmm. new. And it yeah. didn't last super long because Balcom came off on the 67th minute. But I just wanted to note that was an interesting lineup uh, yeah. to start the second half. Yeah, I mean... If you if you kind of blacked out on your screen who who was coaching there, it was pretty notice. You know things were pretty noticeably different. Yeah. And in number of those regards, but um, according to Fault Mob, Holly was still coaching though. Yeah, I actually just noticed that, and so <laughs> I was I was gonna like tweet some shit at him because <laughs> they respond if you tweet at him. It's pretty cool. So um, anyway, yeah, that's one notice. of the less egregious ones. Uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, at one point they had Brooke Hendricks as, uh, as being English rather than American. So they've had some weird things. Oh, anyway. is that because she played for West Ham? Maybe yeah, you so think, I think that's they where those lines English. Yeah, and I tweeted out, I'm like, I'm like, huh, that Georgia was in the US, not England, but all right. Um, well, I, I mean. <laughs> there is a Georgia over in Europe. There is another Georgia. Yeah. I, it's also not England. But. Yeah, so they've missed in every regards. But anyway, um, so I guess in the second half, it was later. We did we did a good job holding them off, but the uh, well, it was one of those. The goal came later, but like it was coming for a long time. Like it, they, yeah. um, um, rain really like was attacking. Uh, especially they were down the wings. They were really exploiting. Um, mm. and they they had a lot of chances before that they finally scored. Yeah, and it's actually um, how the goal came. I think it was from from the wings. It was a, a crossover, and it was headed in. And I don't normally like to compliment the other team, but that was a beautiful header. <laughs> it was a really good shot by them. Um, I did want to mention. I, I meant, wanted to mention the first half. Uh, just a the thing I really enjoyed watching the whole game was um, Fox and Lavelle were on the same side of the field for most of the night. And that was just a great matchup to watch. It's like, you can really see, um, my wife Lori commented on it, but like both Emily Fox and Rose Lavelle, it's like they play the game slightly faster than everyone else on the field. There's just like, it's not necessarily their foot speed. It's just their their decision-making, like the speed yeah. the game comes to them is just like a little different than everyone else. Mm-hmm. And it, it stands out, especially when they're, on each other like they were that night yeah um i mean i mean rose is on the national team and emily fox is is certainly going to be a staple in the the future yeah yeah Um, reason why but i guess other than that i it would have been nice to have to get the win i i thought i think i mean overall going into the game i would have been over the moon about a draw to, to rain, especially mm-hmm. given the circumstances. So I, I right. think it's a, it's a, it's a good result for them. Um, um, they did hold on, like protect the draw. They didn't give up another goal. Yeah. Uh, now, when I, when I look at the stats of this match, like the overall stats, it looked like, it looked like we were lucky to get the draw, but I don't necessarily feel that's the case. I mean, the rain had 61% possession. They had 27 show, total shots, 21 chances created. Like it's just, it was very, a lot of these numbers are, are really lopsided, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel like we were, it, we, we were that far apart, you know? And I think that, it's like a tale of two halves. I, I, I think yeah. Louisville definitely had the better of the first half and rain definitely had the better of the second half. Um, but like oh, you, they had, 27 shots but they only had one big chance the way font mom defines big chances so that mm-hmm. especially in the first half they were getting a lot of shots but they were they were not getting a lot of good shots i think right. overall in, in the first half louisville had higher quality chances mm-hmm. um i don't have it available but my guess is that louisville probably led an xg in the first half and the rain probably really led an xg in the second half and probably yeah. 
probably were a little ahead overall, I would and guess. Here, here's the thing about the possession I was just scrolling through and look at is um, generally whenever I see the possessions, I also like to look at the pass accurate passes and see where they occurred. Of the Reigns, 445 accurate passes, 249 were in their own half, 196 was in the opposition half. So not all their possession was good quality possession. So it makes that that 61% a little bit misleading. Which, and Louisville had 104 passes in the opposition half. So a, a much higher percent of their total. Right. Absolutely. So interesting. I like, I like looking and seeing how all these different numbers kind of play out to like how the match panned out and, and our feelings on it. Cause sometimes they're accurate. Sometimes not. Yeah. So, interesting. So, all right. Did you have any, um, any additional thoughts on, on this match or do we want to go ahead and do a brief preview of our next encounter? Yeah, we can. Oh, I didn't even look that up. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's preview the next game. Yeah. We are going away to Orlando, which I want to look at our head to head record, which oh, we drew both. I, th- I knew we drew with them once, but we drew with them twice. So there's the challenge cup. It was yeah. One two, in the challenge two. cup and then one the regular season. Yep. It was a one, one. So, where are they currently sitting in the table? Oh, they're fourth in the table. Fourth. They're higher than I thought. I, yeah, I, I think uh, they had that super great start to the season that they have faded a little bit since then. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's on the road, so it's tougher. I, I think Rain are a better team than Pride overall. Um, so, um, but. I mean, Orlando does have all of their Olympics players back now. Um, so I, they're, I, I would expect them to be a little better. So we'll, we'll see. I, I, since it's on the road, I think I'd be happy with a draw there. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you got Ali Krieger, Marta, Alex Morgan. Oh, yikes. Yeah, that scares me a little bit. They're a very top-heavy team, in my opinion. Because we haven't played them with Alex Morgan at all, right? Nope. Yeah, Alex Morgan was not there last time we played him. Yeah, I did not think so. Oh, the last two times. Yeah, because she wasn't in the Challenge Cup either. Yep. So, it'll be interesting. And I think, I guess, one of the nice things about about it is that the team will have more time training with with Mario to understand how he wants them to play. So, you know, maybe we'll see some of his vision happen a little bit more cleanly crisply everybody's got a week to hit the exercise bikes yeah right you're ready to run the whole game so I, i'll be interested to see kind of the evolution of the team the the more exposure they have to his style yeah so. okay well now that we've talked about racing let's uh let's go back a little bit and we'll talk about louisville city but before let's we get do, angry again <laughs> right let's um but there is some news broke. It was, I think it actually occurred after the match. It came out, but, uh, Simon, I don't know how to say his last name. I'm not going to try. It's French. Uh, Lefebvre. Lefebvre. Like, it's a very, I, is, it, is he from France or Canada? Is he France. actually from France? Yeah, he's French. Cause he, his last name is very like, uh, hockey player from Montreal. <laughs> Yeah, I could see that in the back of a hockey The very Quebecois last name. Yeah. Anyway, so Simon, who we've not gotten to see play any action, was loaned out to the uh, to the Switchbacks, which 
I'm going to guess maybe that like when we do more of these random away matches, we establish relationships with those front offices and how that's how these things come about. Maybe yep. not accurate at all, but, um, but he was loaned out there pretty much with the expectation that he's going to get playing minutes there, which I think is awesome. Yep, it was I'm clear. He was, that. it was clear. He was number three in the pecking order and probably yep. not going to get any time here. Uh, you know, we can, we can lighten our, our, our payload a little bit, which is nice. I think a lot of people were salty about this, not so much about the loan itself, but rather the fact that that left the us timing, with, the timing turned out to not work out super great for the team. <laughs> right. And I, I, I will confirm, I was, I was told after the fact that he, he was already gone by like month that Monday before. Yeah. So this one was already in the <laughs> Cause works. Cause we ended up we, not really having a backup for the game. <laughs> right. Yeah. Chris Hubbard was for reasons that have not been explained unavailable for the match, which means that we had Parker and nobody until we found out that day. Mr. Alex Cron, a 16-year-old uh, St. X um, student, part of the academy, was given an academy deal. Didn't which didn't we have a separate goalkeeper earlier in the season get an academy deal that was on the bench for a game? Oh uh, well, it, that was last a, season. What was he his had like name? an Eastern European last name? Yeah, right? what was his, yeah? I know who you're talking about. I don't think he's been in the mix this season. Okay, not that I'm aware of. I, yeah, I forgot about that one. But anyway, so. Um, Alex Cron was, was given an academy deal. I, I imagine part, uh, you know, it was partly due to the, to the immediate need just on how things had panned out and yeah. partly do, I don't think they wouldn't have put him in that position if he wasn't ready, you know, worst case scenario, the thing about having back there. yeah, <laughs> right. Um, so, and I know some people are critical about it. Like, Oh, we had a 16 year old kid on there. Well, one, we had Josh wide, we we've played Josh Widener and I didn't hear those same complaints. Yeah. So, and Number two, again, that the timeline I don't think was it's not like we loaned him out the day before and we already knew that Chris is going to be gone. So yeah, I think we rolled the dice a little bit with it and it, you know well and with having the put a six year on the but it's not it's like that typically most teams thing. only have two keepers. So I, I don't yeah. think when they made the deal, it was not rolling the dice too much to oh, loan yeah, out yeah, a third keeper. I don't think it was, it was too big and, and yeah. just how things panned out, like it was just a one match thing. And how often do you sub out your goalie? Like, it, I think it was so, a pretty, you know, even if we ended knew, up not coming into play. Right. At all. Even if we knew that Chris Hubbard was not going to be available at that time, like it was still a very low probability that anything would have happened there. And I think they're not giving this kid enough, enough credit. Like I, I imagine that he would have surprised some people. I don't think he was going to be some terrible goalkeeper again. Like they, they would not have put him in that position if they didn't think he was at, at of, at some level ready. He looked fine in warmups. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that might've been uh, overblown a little bit in my head, but speaking of the switchbacks though, did, did you see the red card from the switchbacks game this weekend? I heard there was a red card, but no, I didn't get to see it. Um, um, Oh wait, who, what player was it? Is uh Mish, mission, gala. Um, yeah, the they they were is past the 90th minute in in New Mexico, um, and they were trying to play quick. And uh, ball went out of bounds on the baseline, so they had a corner. And the ball kid like picked up the ball, and then was like walking over to the corner. Uh, I think he even like rolled the ball, and <laughs> Mish grabbed the ball, got frustrated that he wasn't giving it to them quick enough, and just chucked a ball at it <laughs> oh. at, at the the ball kid. 
which is yeah. They got they got to throw like Big the banana no. hammer down real hard on that one. Like yeah. Also, heads like, up play from the ball kid. He went down. He went down hard and immediately because you gotta sell that as the ball kid. That's a good home <laughs> ball kid. He's doing the Brazilian thing where they're rolling around, like just being real extra about it. <laughs> you gotta you get any sort of contact co- contact as the ball kid. You sell that. That's 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 a heads up play from him. That's terrible, and I hope that the league really really comes down on this on this dude for that that's just well and it was not like he was the the ball kid was not like really slow playing it 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 was extremely mild what went on like he yeah it it is not (laughs) this does not excuse it because this is probably a more okay more not okay reaction but it was not like the Eden Hazard one where the ball kid like dove on the ball and refused to give it away (laughs) I was like, going to comment on that. I've seen some clips and stuff in Europe yeah. where the where the kids are doing some real shit houseery. This was like, this was not that. Ball. This was a completely normal interaction up until like he got the ball chucked yeah. in. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. just wanted to note that some league we don't talk about league news a whole lot, but that was like I am curious to see what his suspension will be for that because that was not okay. I want to see it more than than three games, at least. Yeah. Like it, you got you got to you got to draw a line there. Anyway, um, getting a little off base there. So, all right. all right. So we we had already talked about the whole goalkeeper news. Parker started. We had that new uh, new uh, new kid, Alex Cron, starting on the bench. Yeah. Oscar Jimenez. I think it was his first home start since he's been back. I might be yeah, wrong. First home that. game. Yeah, I think first awesome. home game. Period. Uh, I think he was no. I, I, if Did you're going to count. I think if you're going to count that preseason match that we got to attend against oh, no, the no, Riverhounds. I mean, uh, since he recovered. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you're right on that one. That's what I think. Um, going into the match, I think both Brian Ownby and Jonathan Gomez were listed as questionable, which scared me quite a bit. But they both ended up being starters. So yeah. thank God on Jogo that one. didn't quite look like himself to me, though. I think whatever was bothering him might have been nagging a little Perhaps. bit yeah what i was not prepared for is that um kyle Gregg started up top and cameron lancaster wasn't even dressed for the match he wasn't in the 18 at all hmm. I, i'm assuming it's some level of rest i didn't hear anything about him being hurt yeah um he was but, not uh, on the injury report yeah so um and on the bench we also again had um abdu um Bakijam, am I saying that right? Yeah, Abdu Bakijam. Yeah, I like him, and he's been I out love, for a long time. Yeah, it's. I feel like he has been unfortunate to have not scored more goals than he has. He's like he seems to always be just right there. Yeah. So I am. I am always so happy to see him in the lineup. I, I mean, for the past few years, I've, I've told the people I sit with, like I'm, I'm a fan of his. Yeah. I like him, so um, I'm just happy to see him again on the substitute list i think he was on there the, like the last match or two so yeah. real Finally real close in to get back in yep yep spoiler alert <laughs> but yeah he did get in there um but i don't know about your thoughts entering this match but to me i would almost call it a must win and this was well i i guess with the caveat if their goal is to have the best record in the league this was an absolute must win game yeah and and to me, I think that that was that needs to remain the objective until yeah. 
no right. longer attainable. And it's still it's pretty late in the season, and it's still very attainable. They're still they're still in the driver's seat to win their division. But as far as overall best record, like that, this was a must win. Yeah, and so I, that's something I've been kind of closely watching and and keeping my fingers crossed for. Not only because of that, but because we're coming off of a loss and a draw, like yep. almost you know at the beginning of a of a trend. And I didn't want to see it become a you know a trend, a slump, if you will. Yeah. So I I was putting a lot into this match I might not have normally otherwise. Uh, Tulsa's proved to be a pretty pretty solid team in our division. I think they're according to five thirty eight essentially a lock. For the playoffs very offensive oriented a little bit porous defense so i was kind of kind of hoping that that could be exploited but i think as things planned out it i mean was, it kind of was <laughs> I, I mean it yeah it's, i mean it, it, in this a way was, that, i guess this was one of those we're good for at least one of these every season from louisville city but this is one of those that my takeaway from the game overall is like maximum frustration and minimum concern about the future. <laughs> yeah. If that I... makes any sense. Like it was just absolutely painful to sit through and they absolutely should have won that game. And it's frustrating that they didn't. But also when I look at it, I'm like, well, they played good and they got enough chances. And I think moving forward, it's like, they just keep doing that. They're going to win games like they normally do. Yeah. I, I got I got a little little soapbox th- uh, thoughts on that. Yeah. I'll get to. But as far as how the match actually played out, like Louisville said, he took the driver's seat immediately, and yeah, they, they had pretty so much so many good chances early on. They pretty much never let go. Yeah, two minutes in, uh, Paul DePiccolo fired off a low shot that was nearly wide. Tyler Gibson had a very similar shot um, at the ten minute mark. I think at the roughly about seventeen minute mark, now McCabe sent in a cross. That was headed by uh, Jorge Gonzalez. That was just right over crossbar. So, so chance after chance after chance, like they were knocking at the door. But yeah. unfortunately, and I, you know, did this derail the team a little bit? I, I don't know. At 20 minutes, Tulsa scored their goal, and it that was a goal was ugh. it was Sorry. low probability. So <laughs> it was a it was a far shot, kind of from from outside the box, and I think it took a slight deflection off Swahe, which I didn't realize until I was watching the replays later and yeah. it was it just barely got past parker on there like it was i don't want to call it a freak play but it was certainly a low probability shot yeah i mean that was because he was deep too it like that was not a dangerous shot at all <laughs> and i mean i think that's the thing is sometimes you just want to get shots off because every once in a while those freak ones will happen yeah. and it and it did nothing not to take away from it was just from perfectly anything, placed but. like that's a shot that the only chance that shot has of going in is if you put it directly in the perfect location that, yep. that I would say 95% of the time you're either going to miss or the goalie is going to get an easy save on a shot from where that was taken. Yeah. And looking at the little, um, the game flow X, XG chart that I like to look at all the time, that particular scoring moment wasn't even when they're higher ones, it was less than 0.1. Yeah, like I said, like that, it was that low. was like a that was a less than five percent shot from that from that location. Yeah, so it was a in a lot of regards, like and, and I'll get to this a little bit more at the end, a little bit of bad luck. Yeah, I, well, like, I mean I, again, I don't want to take away from, from Tulsa there, but like it's that's it's bad luck. That's just 
Shit luck. It was against the run of play. I mean, that, that I think is specifically the situation that you, that goal was against the run of play for sure. Yeah. So that's, and that's just, that's how soccer is. That happens sometimes. It's a low scoring game. And sometimes, sometimes you hit the 1% shot. You said it last week, a game of inches. And I think that was very, uh, very much applicable here, but um, so Tulsa goes up uh, one, nothing. And Really, a few minutes later, Santosh put a header to the top right uh, corner of of the Tulsa box. But you know that was that one was also slightly off target, like like a lot of our shots on the night. But really, there was I mean a lot of control for the remainder of that first half, but not much else to show from from it. It kind of things kind of I don't want to say died out, but slowed down might be appropriate. Yeah. So. Um, well, and to- after they got the lead, Tulsa really tried to force Louisville out wide. They put, they kept, they put everyone in the middle. And so the only place where there was space to create was out wide to cross the ball in. Yeah. So that's, that's where like, Louisville really started sending in a lot of crosses was after that goal. I, yeah. I was, I, I was going to talk about yeah, the, the cross situation, but yeah, they very much. And their almost, goalie was gobbling those crosses up. Yeah. They were, they were bunkering down and, and just weathering, trying to weather the storm and, and unfortunately did, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of crosses in that one. Yeah, I was kind of surprised we only had 10 corners. It felt like we had more than 10 corners. I, I, it seemed like almost every possession Louisville had ended in a corner. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. But um, so second half, uh, Jorge uh, Gonzalez came off, didn't have his uh, best night in the office. Antoine Hopino came in and relieved him. We had... Uh, George Davis made an appearance later in that match, 72nd minute, came in for uh, for Oscar. And uh, Napa Mosozzo came in and relieved uh, Paulo de Piccolo. And then we also had uh, yeah, Abdu. Interesting to see George on the back line. Yeah. He's kind of one of those like Swiss Army knives, though, kind of like a now well, And I think that's a very good down a goal, like tactical decision, too. Yeah. You're going to be you're going to be pushing forward. You're going to have a lot of overlaps. So you might as well put someone offensively minded back there. Yeah. And Tulsa, and Tulsa was not even trying to score at that point. So it, it, like, you're not really worried about a defensive liability. Right. And, and I'd argue the, uh, the Napa for Paulo switch, like that Napa is, is more um, offensive minded than, than, than Paulo is. Normally this goal. year, Paulo has been, really playing as attacking midfielder almost. Oh yeah, no, I agree. But I mean, as far as like, I, I feel like Napa has got more of it in him. I think Paul has probably had more, more success due to his savvy veteran presence. But yeah. um, anyway, so they came in and then uh, Abdu came in for, for Tyler Gibson, which again, excited that he, he's got back into the yeah, mix. My, my big positive from this game is it's very nice to see Abdu is healthy enough to get minutes again. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was a very nice thing, but unfortunately this, Match didn't have have much else to it. I, you know, there were a few different opportunities, particularly late in the match. It was like what, like the 94th minute or something. Hopino hammered off a a shot off of a now McCabe cross, but the uh, the goalkeeper barely. What was he like? He had to like jump up and, and push it over. He had the to top tip it over ball. the back back of the post. Yeah, yeah, that was arguably probably our best opportunity of the night in the very dying minutes of it, but. Uh, they uh, they successfully weathered the storm and handed us our second loss, putting us at uh, one draw, two losses in the past three, which is don't feel good. Weird, weird to say. Now, 
statistically for I'm this still match. not concerned moving forward though <laughs> i yeah. don't i don't know if these to me these this one more than the other two. I think they legitimately like did not play super great in the draw and the first loss. Like this yeah. one, I feel like they actually played pretty good and they just, it's just how it happens sometimes. So here's, here's my little soapbox on this one is that earlier in the season, I think it was the end of May. It was the first LIPA FC match, the first match against uh, Indy. And we just dominated in every statistical category, except for they they got like two penalty kicks and yeah. beat us. And that one I was, was especially and weird I, one. I was adamant that one. Like if if we have another match play out like that, like we have the same sort of statistics, we win that every other time. This was a fluke, and I was I was very adamant about this. And in some ways, I think that same logic or thought process can apply here to that Tulsa match. Yeah, I, like, I feel like if you played this game a hundred times, the most common score would be two to nothing Louisville. Exactly. And that's the other part I was going to bring up is not to get too nerdy with our stats. We love it. I don't know how much our listeners do, but the, uh, Oh, they hate it. They tell me uh, about it all the time. I don't care. I love it. So, <laughs> uh, but the, the expected points metric, which is similar to expected goals, essentially looks at the, the quality of things we won't go down that rabbit hole but well you just you take your expected goals and you figure out like what your percent chance of winning percent chance of drawing and percent chance of losing are and then you get expected points from that yeah now while that number was was rather close and even the expected goals were rather close in that that um indie match i referenced before it was very very different for this matchup so expected points for louisville saying this was 2.64 like Yikes, like that's like that just sucks that you lost. Our expected goal value is 1.97 to drumroll 0.2 for Tulsa. Yeah, I, like Tulsa, like if you just played that exact same game over again, Tulsa, you would expect to have scored one out of five games, basically. <laughs> yeah. So in some regards, I think this match was a little bit of a fluke and bad luck more so than the team underperformed. I'm not concerned. I I think like, yeah, expected goals wise, that game was almost exactly the same as the Tampa Bay Oakland game that happened the same night. It was two to 0.15 in that game and Tampa Bay won three to nothing. (laughs) Like, yeah. So it, you know, it happens. Uh, Even like I'm, I would consider, um, I would consider Phoenix to be like our uh, one of our peers in the league. Yep. Um, Phoenix has games like this too. Like it, it's just soccer. Like yep. if you look back at Phoenix's record, there were there was once or twice this season where they dominated an XG and and lost the game because the other team scored on like one kind of not super great chance that just. It just happens sometimes. I'm not, yeah. it really sucks that it's now three games in a row without the result we wanted. And yep. I am certainly frustrated about that. And that is like lost opportunities. But I think moving forward, I think they're still good and they're still going to win a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even if you don't so much believe in these advanced statistical metrics like XG or expected points and whatnot, I still think like you can look at that match and not be as angry or upset about that versus well, some of the other underperformances we we've not to had get in into past. psychology but 
I do think the act of watching a game like that one is way more frustrating than watching a game where you're actually getting beat. And I think part of what makes it so frustrating is because you can see like, oh, you should be winning. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, it took me a while to arrive at this conclusion. And this is this is why I like to do like my like full time thoughts video, like right after a match versus what I write later is because of the evolution of, of how I might think about the match, because in the moment, like right after the match, like I was frustrated too. Like, why are we sending so many crosses and blah, blah, blah. It was an infuriating game to watch. <laughs> yeah. And, the, and it was one of those things, the more I sat and thought on it, looked at the numbers and digested it, like the more some of it made sense. And the more I kind of came to terms almost with it, like yeah. we had, I, we had 37 crosses in it, which is as much as I could find on Fop Mob. I went back through like July, 37 yeah. is by far the well, highest, I- but like a lot of it's because they were just, they were bunkering in and they were just trying to weather the storm and they did. And then like looking at the, like the, the quality of our shots, like it's just, I don't know. It, it, it became more palatable me, um, for me, the yeah. more like I, I thought and stewed on it, but like, I totally like I said, get why I have the not reassessed what I think about the quality of the team. Oh yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I think they're still as good as I thought they were before the game. Yeah. I, you know, I think at, at, you know, at minimum you can call it a, call it a bad night but it's not like they totally totally botched things or totally it'd be totally different if they had these huge erroneous errors like we just totally let them score it does mean though that i mean they are gonna have to uh, if we want to ensure that we play at lynn throughout the entire playoffs it's gonna depend on some other teams having bad stretches now but it is it is basically out of their hands now which is you know that's that's the unfortunate it sucks to think Position about that right now, but all we can do is control what we can control. And that's, yep. that's our performances going forward. And they and are still well in the driver's seat in the division. Like, Oh yeah. They keep winning games. They're they'll win the division that no one else can take that from them at this point. But yeah. uh, so I, I just think that, and it's, it's going to be tough because there's so many away matches, but again, just control what we can control. We're still, yep. I mean, as far as goals and points go, we're still pretty much, neck and neck with the uh 2017 2018 seasons i've been kind of watching that the, the comparisons there so i mean we were ahead on the on the goals metric but that's kind of leveled out a bit and points is still pretty much right where we would expect to be so we're still on on good trajectory so yep well and i mean we talked about i don't know it's an unfortunate result based on xg at the other side of that happens too so like I, I, there will be a game where they have two XG and score four goals. So mm-hmm. like, I think there are good things to come. Yep. So, all right, well, let's move, uh, move ahead and we'll talk about the next match, which there's a lot of unusualness about it. Cause one is a Tuesday affair and two, we were playing somebody outside of our, uh, our division. You know, I was thinking about last night, the whole division setup we have, and it kind of reminds me. I, of, like I, it. I know I don't love it either, but it's, product of uh COVID-19 unfortunately but it kind of reminds me in some ways of like world cup qualifying where we're playing like in some like hectagon or whatever <laughs> of teams just <laughs> same cycle yeah so I don't know I just made that comparison last night I'm like huh weird but anyway so this is a match outside of that structure which is always welcome and we're playing we're going away to Hartford Athletic up in Connecticut who is I, who have had a weird season yeah I have a lot of respect for that for that organization i think they've 
done things right to like build into like a respectable independent team like them in like Birmingham they've done a very good job so I, I have a little bit of love for uh, I mean for hopefully Hartford. they're paying players now they have a paying problem D- did you not read the um oh sock sock takes did like a uh their very first season they did an expose on like it was it was not uh it was pretty chaotic behind the scenes <laughs> early on oh no I missed that one I just I just know in the past like season or two, they've uh, they've really kind of jumped up as far as their quality. They had a coach that did pretty well, but then I guess he kind of had some anger issues. Is that a good way of putting it? But anyway, know. they use the Whalers colors, which I think is cool. Do they need town? They, they need to play the um, uh, what is it? the brass bonanza? Whatever the score, have you heard that? So it was the Hartford Whalers old scoring song. And the uh, only reason I know this is because for a while last season, Toronto FC called Connecticut their home. And whenever they scored up there, they used the brass bonanza. <laughs> and it was awesome. It's such, I'm like, I'm like, it's such idea. an amazing like song. Like yeah. scoring See, I'm, and I'm all about incorporating like city history into, into, into the team. And well, we need to edit. We need to have this edit where the brass bonanza is closing out song for this i'm gonna put it in there but anyway it's it's fun but um but yeah no i'm glad they do appreciate their 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 history and their heritage by by using these colors and whatnot but so we'll be going up there we have actually played them before we played them twice in the 2019 season beat them two to one in the very first meeting march 2019 and we also beat them in the september encounter one nothing but that was that was a while ago they're a very different team from now Yep. And how how's their season been weird? I can't say I've been watching. Okay, so they're not as high on the table as I would have guessed. It's been if you do any expected goals chart as far as like results versus expected goals, they're like way on the outlier in every chart you do because like they <laughs> they have had a pretty good season and if you're looking at purely expected goals, they should be one of the worst teams in the league. Um like they it. have been consistently way overperforming. I think um I think it has they they've reverted to the mean a little bit of late, but early on in the season they were like way off the charts overperforming. Uh yes, so I pulled up the the good lucky matrix, which is essentially is a comparison of expected points per game and points minus expected points. Wow, we're getting really mathematical here. But essentially they are very much on the uh one of the highest teams on the lucky end of the spectrum. I'm doing a little. And they have been so consistently overperforming it that it does make you think like, is there something about their play style that's not being captured properly in this metric? Yeah. Um, So anyway, I, I am, I have not had a chance to actually watch them play this season. So it will be, I am looking forward to seeing. Yeah. If I can see with my eyes, maybe what an explanation for what's going on there. I think this one might be unfortunately closer than we'd want it to. Um, one, because we'll be on the road, and two, because we're on a little bit of a of a rut. I think it's safe to call this a, a bad patch, an unfortunate trend at this point. So, I, I, you know, I'm wondering if we can sneak out of here with a winner or draw. They're going to get a lot of chances, and can they finish them? I think it's going to be the question, because Hartford hate- has given up a lot of chances to a lot of teams. I hate to set the bar so low, but all things considered right now, I wouldn't be like super upset with a draw. Is that nah, I want to win. 
I mean, I want to win, but like, if we got a draw, I'd be like, like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I need to process it more. My bar should be higher. I don't know. <laughs> it's good. It's good to set expectations and then have them exceeded and not just be angry all the time. So yeah, I'm not doing this for the sake the of my, my well-being though. I'm trying to think of what's what's realistic. And I maybe it would help if I if I had seen with my own eyes Hartford a little bit more. Yeah. But but it, but just considering the little bit of a slump that we're in and the fact that it's away, like I shouldn't be mad. I feel like if it's a draw, yeah, I think a win should be achievable under normal circumstances. But I think having the recent factors like this, I want to see an Abdu goal. Goal, that's my win or draw. If Abdu scores a goal, I'm happy. Yeah, I and I don't know the stats of of Corbin Bone, but I'm really hoping that he's available sooner than later i do think we mentioned they were having trouble attacking up the middle and had to put in a lot of crosses i think bone having been there probably may have helped with that a little bit because he he has really been very instrumental in their creating up the middle this season yeah he's yeah he's yeah he's very very good for us so all right well zach we we covered a lot of ground today didn't we i did no lack of subjects to talk about this <laughs> this week. Well, our dear listener, we appreciate you listening to us talk about all these subjects. If you guys ever have any feedback, message us. You know, let us know. I'm, I'm curious what people think, and, and we can always adjust accordingly. I don't think I'm going to back down from, from, from my love of the stats as much, but <laughs> unless other things. Um, but you can find me on Twitter at purple sdf if you have anything to say good bad otherwise zach where can people find you at if you want to tell me how much i suck as a host you can find me (laughs) at zach w allen on twitter we're we're actively looking for his replacement where i'm issuing his termination paperwork in the near future (laughs) (laughs) but and we don't even have any old man soccer news to talk about today because we play today we're recording on a monday so hopefully we can uh we can brag about winning or something or scoring. Maybe you'll get your second uh, second game scoring in a row. Yeah, did I mention on the pod last week that I scored? I think you did, or we talked about it. I can't remember. Yeah. Life's uh, just been a I got to keep the, keep the train rolling. There we go. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to us. Um, and hopefully when we talk next week, it'll be about some wins. Six yeah. points. I went three from each team. I think... We said last week that, well, at least next week next week will for sure be better. I'm not saying that again. I learned my lesson. What I, yeah, what I want might be one thing. What might actually happen might be a different thing. So next we will see. Next going to be worse. There we go. <laughs> there, I think there's reasons to be somewhat cautiously optimistic. We'll find out. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to finally shut up now. Take care. Have a good one. <laughs>